0: 10 today. In chapter 9, Paul was writing about his love for Israel, and he was so hopeful that his people would be saved that everywhere he went, the first place he went was to a synagogue to where the Jews were gathered so he can share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Now they weren't very receptive but that didn't matter. But in chapter 9 he even said if I could give my own life so they could be saved I would do that. If I could give my own salvation so that... See, I, I would never say that. Because... I know what hell is going to be like, I've been told, and I wouldn't want to give up what heaven is going to be like. I I guess I'm selfish. Are you selfish too? I bet. Because, you know, we um, know what God has prepared for us. We know what the future looks like. And so we know that it's only... Uh, because of what he has done that we are going to be able to experience that we can't substitute ourselves for someone else so they can get in and we um, stay behind or that we would go to hell and serve a sentence for them. Can't do it. It has to be an individual acceptance, an individual salvation. Each person has to make up their own mind He's going to continue writing about that, the nation of Israel in chapter 10. Today's message is titled, How to be Saved. There are many people out there that have a question as to the proper way to be saved. We're going to cover it here today. So, you know, take some notes. Remember this because if you ever have someone ask you, you can tell them, oh, go listen to this teaching and and you'll find out. We continue our study through the book of Romans with chapter 10 in verse 1, where Paul writes, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. He's writing to brethren. It says, Brethren, here is my heart and prayer. Here is what, what I would like to see. I would like to see Israel saved. That's my prayer. But he's praying to God, but he's telling the children of God, Christians, remember this is Rome that he's writing to, Romans, and Most of them were Gentiles, not Jews. Now, there were Jews that were in the Christian church in Rome, but not very many. Mostly, it was a Gentile church. And so he wanted to let them know, look, I want my people to be saved. I want them to hear the good news and accept the gospel for themselves. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. He bears them witness. You see, he is a Jew. He was raised as a Jew. He was a Pharisee, a leader of the Jews. And so he really knows the heart. How do do we know that? Because when Saul, before he was then called Paul, went out into the community, he was killing Christians because he believed that they were violating... The ordinances of God. And so he wanted to kill them to put them, and rightly so, because looking at Old Testament law, if they were blaspheming the name of God, then that was something worthy of death. But they weren't, they were actually telling the truth about God. They were telling the good news of the gospel. They were telling about the fulfillment of what God said was going to happen. Fulfillment of prophecy. The prophecy was the Messiah was going to come. And he was going to be persecuted. He was going to die for the sin of the world. That's prophecy. That's Old Testament. It didn't give his name. It just said Messiah. And that's who he is Jesus, because he fulfilled 300 prophecies coming to earth to become the sacrifice for humanity, for mankind. And so when we recognize who he is, for us, it's past tense. Oh, I know who Jesus is because he fulfilled, I have the Old Testament, I have the New Testament, I have his teachings. I am, it's very easy for us to understand who Jesus, isn't it better to understand looking back and, and, and hindsight, oh look at that. Yep, that's who he is, that's Jesus. I know, it, it just, it's a lot easier for us, isn't it? Also, we have Air conditioning. Okay so it makes it so much more comfortable that we can get together talk about Jesus and be comfortable at the same time. You know, we've been very blessed, but sometimes it makes us fall asleep. It makes us think, you know what? We we've got it made. We're good. We don't have any need to go further because we've got it all done we're we're good people born in a Christian nation, and uh, you know so we 've got it all figured out. If anyone has it all figured out, they can leave. None of you are leaving because none of us has it all figured out okay and, and that 's because God hasn 't given us all the details he hasn't given us everything we need to know. He's given us enough to go on to the next step and take the next step and live for him and trust in him. If he gave us everything we need to know, we wouldn't need him anymore, would we? We wouldn't have to rely on the Holy Spirit. When we have physical ailments, when we have financial issues, when we have trouble with people in our lives, we wouldn't need to go to the Lord We could just say, oh, I've got that solved. I know what to do. Sometimes we do that and find out later that we didn't know what we were doing. And it makes it even worse, doesn't it? But, you know, we have a good God. He doesn't say, oh, tried it on your own, didn't work out, too bad. Good luck. He doesn't do that. He says, okay, Here, let me show you the way to go from here. Paul was on the road to Damascus to kill Christians, and Jesus interrupted his life and showed him the truth. And now he's looking, saying, my brethren, not Christian brethren, but Jewish brethren, the children of Israel, They don't believe the truth, even though I'm here, you know, sharing it with them, telling them my experience, showing them the power that God has given me. Remember, he was doing miracles also, but they didn't receive him. They didn't accept him. They were zealous. They were zealous for the law that they were set on this is the law this is what we believe and this is what we're going to trust but you see they perverted the law to make it their doctrine that no one else can follow except if you do it the way they say that you do it hey that happens in the Christian church today too There are many churches out there that say, well, unless you're doing it our way, you're doing it the wrong way. You know, you you have to be a Christian our way. What do we believe? Well, here's what I believe. I do it the Bible way. I look at scripture and say, okay, Lord, I don't know the right way to do everything. I know the wrong way to do a lot of things. Because I've been doing them all my life. But I don't know the right way to do things all the time. So I go to scripture. And I look and and I see what scripture tells me. And then I get on the right path. Well, that's what Paul was trying to do. They were zealous about what they believed. It's kind of like being a zealous Diamondbacks fan. See the first half of the season, man. You could be zealous. They were in first place most of the first half of the season. They were it was like woohoo, Diamondbacks, you know. And, and what, they've lost like um, seventeen out of their last twenty-one or something like that. And and uh, you know they're dropping like a rock. You know, now try to be zealous you know, oh yeah, they're going, they're going to take the pennant, they're going to go to the World Series. You know, there's not a lot of hope in that. So if you still believe that, you're a zealot. You're a diamondback zealot. You know, Uh, uh, Israel was zealous for the law, but instead of submitting themselves to God, they submitted themselves to the law. And that's what they were trusting in, the law that they established No matter what religious system you subscribe to, if you're not submitting to God, your system will fail. Verse 4, Paul is going to continue. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That's important for us even today. Christ is the end of the law. That doesn't mean the law is abolished. That means the law is fulfilled in Christ. And now, as Christians, we are in Christ, not in the law. It's the end of the law. We have hope now in Christ, not hope that I get the laws, you know, correct. There are ten commandments. I think I broke nine out of ten. (laughs) You know, and, and, you know, when it says thou shalt not murder, but hating your brother is murder, I think I broke ten out of ten. So, you know, it's like what chance do we have? Because if you violate one law you violated them all. You've broken all the law. And so they, even the Jews, you know, uh, they couldn't get that because they believed that they were good because of their sacrifices. And they they were sanctified by their good works, which is ridiculous. And now Paul writes about the relationship between the law and mankind. For Moses writes about the righteousness, which is of the law. The man who does these things shall live by them. So Moses said, hey, if you follow these laws, if you follow the law, you have to do it perfectly. You have to live by them and not error. And so that's disqualifying everyone, basically. First of all, we're born into sin because we're human. And sin started with Adam and Eve and mankind is born. I I started sinning probably three weeks before I was born. And, um, you know, because I know my mother was cursing. um, You know, but it's the fact that I couldn't stop myself from sinning. It was part of my nature as human, as a child, even growing up. Now, Would I have gone to hell if I died? That No. Because I was not of the age of accountability. I wasn't of the knowledge of good and evil of God. I I was just of the knowledge of evil, obviously. Um, But I then learned as I grew up that there was a difference. And that there is a God who delineates between good and evil. And... Uh, you know that I was living on the wrong side. So Moses knew that a purchased person had to keep the whole law, and breaking one part of it made you guilty of all of it. Unfortunately, there are many who live contrary to law because they live under grace. They think I'm under grace, so I can don't have to worry about the law, that I can ignore the law because I am under grace. Well, we don't live under the law by works. As Christians, we're not bound to the law for our salvation. But our actions should uphold the law because of salvation. It's because I'm saved that I obey the law. I'm not trying to obey the law. I do it naturally because I'm saved and I know right and wrong. And so, am I perfect at it? Nope. I'm not. No one is. That's how come we have those moments in our lives. It should be a daily thing. Lord, I, I just woke up. So I'm okay for th- the first 30 seconds. But after this, I'm, I'm in trouble. I know things are going to get rough today. So, Lord, help me. Not to make bad decisions. Help me to walk in your righteousness, in your holiness, so that others may see that and be drawn to you, Lord. Not me, him. Verse 6. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? that is to bring Christ down from him, from above or who will ascend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead but what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach see Paul is quoting now from Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 12 through 14 but in Deuteronomy Those verses were referring to the law. And Paul is now taking those verses and turning them into verses pertaining to faith. And he's showing that the law is in the past and faith is now what we live by here in the present. He takes those and he applies them to faith in Christ... And that would have been offensive to any practicing Jew. They would have been out of their mind. What do you mean you're now talking about Jesus? It's basically saying he is God. He's the one who we have to have faith in because he's God. Any practicing Jew would have been very upset about that. But here's what the Jews in verse 9 and everyone else that I know needs to hear and believe. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is the answer to salvation. The question, how am I saved? It's right here. Confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. And one has to go with the other. They are not mutually exclusive. It's not just the confession. And many people confess with their mouths what they believe, but they don't believe it in their heart. How do I know? I look at how they live their lives. I look at what they do in their lives. When we believe in our hearts something, it affects our lives. It changes the way that we live. And people see that change, recognizing that we're not living for ourselves, we're living for a greater hope. Something outside of our flesh, our physical bodies. So many talk good talk, they don't walk the walk that demonstrates what they believe. And Paul is calling the Jews out for that, but this applies to everyone. It's not just for Jews. It's for everyone that wants to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Notice the order. With the heart you believe, and then you confess with the mouth. It isn't, I confess with, with the mouth, and now I believe in my heart. No, it's the opposite way. Because we believe in our heart, then we confess with our mouths. People will recognize a heart that is changed for Christ before they believe what you say with your mouth. I know many people who live speaking the word of God and speaking as if they were Christian, but then living like they weren't. And so which example has a bigger impact on those people around them. It's the people that are living it and speaking it that they can... You Sometimes you don't even have to speak it. You just live it, and people will say, what's different about you? Where does that joy come from? Where does your hope come from? Look, right now, there's... Not a lot of hope out there. You you don't see a lot of the news spreading hope. It's fear that's being spread. Hopelessness is on the rise because people are trusting that our leaders and government are going to get us out of this situation. Really? They've had a few thousand years to do that. How's that working out? (laughs) Uh, You know, you would think with the technology that we have that we'd be able to solve the problems. Right? You know? By the way, I'm not going to be here next week. I'm going to have AI fill in for me. (laughs) (laughs) You know? uh, uh, Really... There are. There has been a church that actually had AI fill in for the pastor. They had a full service run by AI and and avatars, and uh, you know people said that the message was pretty solid as far as Scripture goes, but it had no heart. You know, and I believe that uh, because. A.I. does not have the Holy Spirit. You know. And half of my message may be words that I use. But I don't want you to pay attention to that part of the message as much as I want you to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. Because that's the message God wants you to hear. So... You know, I'm, I'm filling in some of the, I'm like a color commentator when you're watching a show and they're telling you everything going on, oh, and this and that. And I hate those guys. <laughs> I really do. I don't want to hear it. You know, you're wrong three quarters of the time. Meanwhile, we're listening to you. Oh, you know. And, and, and so, you know, when I speak, I hope and I pray that the Holy Spirit is doing the work. Because that's where the power is. When you leave here, it isn't going to be my words that are going to make an impact. It's going to be the Holy Spirit that you're carrying with you to make an impact out there in the world. Amen? So, that, (coughs) excuse me, Um, if we believe unto righteousness, our mouth confesses. Unto salvation, and that doesn't mean confession brings salvation. And and a lot of people believe that confession—you know—if you speak the words, that means you're saved. Now, because a, a lot of big events where they call people down to the field and and they say, "Okay, repeat after me this prayer," many people believe that that is what gets them saved because they said a prayer a certain way. Now, I am not. Criticizing uh, these events because I have seen people that are so broken. By the time they do that altar call, they're running down to the field because they want to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. I've also seen other people go down just because their friends brought them and they want them to come down to the field and they they want to and they say a prayer and um, and they go through the motions, but it isn't. The confession with the mouth that makes the difference. It's a changed heart. We are new creations in Christ because of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. And because of that, we have an impact on the world because now we have the Holy Spirit that we can share with others. Otherwise, all we're sharing are words. Or we can share the gospel. We can share scripture, but it's just words without the Holy Spirit. Now, I have also found that there are people that share words and people get saved because the Holy Spirit is working on their hearts. And they hear the message and they receive the Holy Spirit. But the person that shared it with them doesn't have the Holy Spirit, they just have words. So I see it work in both ways. But for us, we we are called to live differently. We're called to live in such a way that we use less words and more Holy Spirit. Amen? For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever Calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that a good thing? Well, see, back in verse 11 it says, For the scripture says, Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And then in verse 12 it says, There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call on him. And then whoever. who. Ever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wow. It doesn't matter Jew or Greek. And there were only two types of people in the world. Jews and Greeks. Greek doesn't mean that you're from Greece. Greek means that you're not a Jew. So to the Jews that's everyone else's Greek. It's all Greek to me. And so everyone else was Greek. So there's Jews and there's Gentiles or Greek, as uh, Paul is using that term here. But whoever believes... Now, for Jews, that would set them off. What do you mean? You mean they can be saved too? Those heathen, those... Without becoming Jewish first, they can be saved? Yes. Everyone, that's good news. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past... Any of you online that have a past, have a history, have done things that you regret, that you know that God wouldn't approve of, I have too. But I know that because I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, He's not holding it against me. And that's the hope that we have. We know That we can be completely forgiven of sin. That we have a future with him and we are saved because of that. It's a decision that we make in our heart first and then with our mouth. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And... How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You want beautiful feet? All you have to do is preach. All you have to do is share the good news. And you can have beautiful feet too. Get rid of that miracle foot cure thing and and try preaching instead. See, if you look at how this was written, how shall they preach unless they are sent? So someone gets sent. I'm reading this backwards now. And how shall they hear without a preacher? So someone is sent, and then that preacher is now going out to preach, and... How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Because there's a preacher that was sent. And how shall they call on him whom they have not believed? Because they listened to the preacher that was sent, and they believed. They heard what the preacher said, and they believed. This is not talking about pastors. A preacher is anyone who preaches the good news of Jesus Christ. Anyone and everyone, we are all called to do that. We are all called to share the good news. So we're all preachers. That's what we're supposed to do. Everyone that preaches doesn't necessarily have a church. That's not what some people think. But I'm going to move on. Then... I say, have they not, uh, excuse me, uh, back in verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? That is from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. That was talking about what the rest of Isaiah 53 is going to talk about. Jesus becoming the Messiah, and then saving the world, and... Isaiah is saying, who has believed this report? Who has believed what this prophecy says? The Jews didn't. And that's why he makes that comment. And Paul here is saying that also. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, we have to believe what we read. If we don't believe what we read then we're not going to have faith. We're not going to build faith. And faith has to be built before we can have hope. Because without faith, we don't. where's our hope going to be? We have to be believers. We have to trust. We have to first have faith and then we can have the hope that comes from being in a relationship with Jesus. And, and that's why we're told Faith comes by hearing, reading the scripture. How do I understand it? Let the Holy Spirit do that part. You just read it. Spend time in the word and read what it has to say. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the earth. This is the gospel. It's been sent out. But I say, didn't Israel not know? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation, meaning the Gentiles. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation, the dumb Gentiles. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And so, he's explaining what they needed to know. They needed to know God is reaching out for them. They needed to know that he died for them. He stretched out his hands and He died for them. Paul said what the remedy was for their rejection. In verse 9, Confess with their mouths the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in their hearts that God has raised him from the dead. That was the solution. Then they will be saved. That's still the same program today. There isn't a new program. God didn't come up with something for relevant for 2023. You know, this is what we need to share today until he comes. Because it's the same message. Paul gave us the instructions on how to be saved here. It hasn't changed. And the world still doesn't believe it. Verse 13 says, forever. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what was the result of the rejection? Well, Israel was found guilty. They violated the law and they were found guilty. They were found wanting and they ignored the message that was given to the Gentiles that the Gentiles received that Jesus is the Christ He is the Messiah. He's the one that came to save them. God still yearns for his people. His arms are still outstretched for us all day long, waiting to help us. He loves to hear from his children. He loves it when we spend time with him in prayer, meditating on his word. He loves that. As a parent, watching the kids play in the living room and and they'd be playing on the floor and everything and and as they're playing they would look up to see if we're watching they wanted to know oh are you watching watching what I'm doing look look what I'm doing you know and he's got those legos he just built the brooklyn bridge you know it's just it's just amazing look how smart that kid is and but It was such joy that I watched them as they grew up. It was joy and love that poured out. God is the same way. He's watching you play with Legos. He's watching us trying to figure it out down here. And, you know, sometimes we mess it up. We don't hate our kids when they mess it up. We just love on them. And that's the way God is with us. He looks down and he loves on us. He has such joy in the fact that we have this relationship with him. He wants us to be... Is that how you picture God? I hope so. Because that's the way God looks at us. Has your belief changed the way you live and think? That's part of being a believer. That's part of being a Christian. And I pray that it has It's a new perspective that we have of what things are really important in life. We are new creations, so we should act like it. Amen.